Welcome to Booksmart, a podcast where we read and share books that have a positive influence on our daily lives. Whether it's self-improvement, success, or something fun, we are here to help you read your way to a better you. I'm Em. And I'm Melissa. And this week, we're discussing our personal notes on digital minimalism, choosing a focused life in a noisy world by Cal Newport. In this episode, Melissa and I are going to talk about how we're applying digital minimalism to our lives and putting digital decluttering into practice. We're embracing the subtitle of this book and choosing a focused life in a noisy world. Em is ready to start her own digital declutter, but she has a few questions about the right rules to put in place. We'll help her work through it, and we also have an announcement at the end of this episode, so stay tuned. So, Em, what did you think of this book? Oh my goodness, I love the digital resistance, (laughs) and I am so excited and terrified to start a digital declutter and become a digital minimalist. What are you excited about, and what are you terrified about? I'm excited about all of the benefits that are going to come into my life, like Mm -hmm. spending more time on things that are important to me, like friends and exercise and painting my house in certain areas that have been neglected for years. And just like, I've been looking around my world over the past week thinking like, I have fallen behind on making kombucha. My latest batch is over two months old. It's going to be vinegar. So it's like, that's a way I'm going to practice craft and it's a high quality leisure activity. So there's so much good stuff that I can't wait to get into my life. Mm -hmm. But the idea of taking out for those 30 days, things like the time I spend on email is one thing which I'm hoping we can workshop because my brain is like, you need to be an email to be the you know, successful business owner that you are. So I have some limiting beliefs, I think, that are mm-hmm. making me a little scared. Yeah. I do love, before we talk about your rules, the excitement you feel about all the things that you'll yeah. get to do. That to me was the surprise of the book. I expected it to be very, don't do this, right. take away all of these things. But instead, shifting the focus to what are the valuable activities I will get to do. Yeah. I think that was really healthy. I don't know. I wasn't really expecting to enjoy this book. I ended up really Mm -hmm. liking it. And by the end, I had already taken some small steps of my own to digitally declutter. Although I don't know if I'm going to do the 30-day formal window. Mm -hmm. So, Em, I know that you're actually going to embrace the digital declutter, all caps, the way that he describes in the book. So it's a 30-day process Mm -hmm. where you remove what he calls optional technologies from your life. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the 30 days, you gradually reintroduce, but only the ones that serve you. Right. And if you want to learn more, you can go back to episode 14 and hear us really get into it. Mm -hmm. But Em, I'm curious to hear, I know you've started thinking about what your rules are, and I know that they are always going to be very personal. What would work for you wouldn't work for everyone, but excited to hear what you're thinking about. Yeah. So... I loved reading this book. I expected to love it, and I loved it even more than I thought I would because I'm already really intentional about what technologies I'm using. For example, I haven't had the Facebook app on my phone for at least a year or two at this point. I don't have the email app on my phone for Gmail or mail. I already, like I mentioned in uh, episode 15, I already have the Stay Focused add-on to uh, my Chrome to limit the time I spend on Facebook to 10 minutes a day. So I'm already doing a lot of stuff like this. But the idea of setting actual rules in place was exciting because it felt like I had intentions that I couldn't always honor because I felt the call of, you know, compulsively checking Instagram or seeing a text. And even though I was in the middle of writing copy for a client, I would still want to like just glance at it and see what it said. Um, So that's why I really wanted to do the full on declutter 
to reset my behavior, which I feel like was already on the right track, but needed to be sort of stripped away so I could build a really firm foundation to move forward on. That's what he talks about in the book, this detox, yeah. the ability to really remove yourself from all the text so you can better yeah. understand how you feel. Yeah. That's the biggest benefit that I see from going all in, like he suggests. I will say I noticed you've already been kind of intentional about this. Mm -hmm. I think there's a reason we read this book. Yeah. I have a feeling that there's a very self-selecting group of people yeah. reading the book and even maybe listening to our podcast. Right. Where I'm guessing some listeners are probably already, at least to some degree, intentional about their usage. Yeah. So I'm curious to hear what you want to do for the 30 days because I know probably way more than average you're already doing what Cal would describe as good digital habits. I hope so. Yeah. The first thing that I'll add to what I'm going to also be doing is something that he doesn't talk about at all in the book, which I think honestly was a huge missed opportunity, is he doesn't talk at all about how our own self-awareness could serve as a huge tool for why we are relying on, reaching out for, falling back on, feeling manipulated by technology. He mentions a lot that we are bored, so we just pick up our you know phone because we're bored or that we are being taken advantage of um, in the attention economy. But I think one of the um, things that really popped out to me was the thinking about this as an addictive behavior. There's an acronym that they use in recovery programs called HALT, H-A-L-T, and it stands for hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. And so when people are in recovery and they're trying to figure out what is triggering them to like want to engage in their addictive behavior or substance, whatever it is, they should like halt. So like physically like stop, but then also ask themselves, am I hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? And I think that is really important to have in mind during a digital declutter or just your social media or email checking behavior in general is why am I doing this? Hmm. Um, that is really interesting. Yeah. I started to notice that, like, you're going to get into the full declutter. Yeah. I did not do that, but what I did was deleted all social media from my phone. Okay. And I immediately could tell that yeah. I sometimes pick up my phone out of habit. Yeah. And what struck me is that with all of the time that I didn't spend mm -hmm. going on social media, at times I noticed that I felt alone. Yeah. And I use the word alone and not lonely because right. – it really was just this awareness that I was by myself. Mm -hmm. And to his point in the book about like solitude, it's not right. necessarily a bad thing. Right. And in a good way, after it started happening a couple of times, I started craving the company of other people. Mm -hmm. So by removing my brief connections via social media, right. I was actually craving conversation. Right. So in particular, I'm guessing any of those HALT, the hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, mm -hmm. I'm guessing could all easily lead to a pretty mindless technology totally. instance. Yeah. But I think loneliness was one that really mm -hmm. stood out to me because when you're on social media, right. it is pretend connection. Yeah. So without it, it's really heightened my awareness of how much I want to be with people in person, mm -hmm. which is a great benefit. But at first it was kind of a shock. Yeah, absolutely. It's really interesting to start noticing that. For me, the L, the lonely would be something I think that would compel me to use technology in general. And then I'm sure Cal would add you know, boredom be that does not create a cute acronym. So we can't really do that. But mm, interesting. Um, yeah. And just like, like we may not be feeling anger, but we may be feeling some sort of emotion that's causing us to look for comfort elsewhere. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I just <laughs> could add the word, the letter E. It's like, I don't know what word we're spelling at that point. The anger acronym gets messy, but B halt. Oh, 
You are so smart. It's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> it's not grammatically correct, but it does a job. I love that. Be halt. Be halt. <laughs> like, like there is no try. There's only do. Be halt. Be halt. <laughs> Be the halt you want to see oh in my your gosh. life. <laughs> but that's a great point. He doesn't really mention like the self-awareness yeah. of, especially when you're in the declutter, he yeah. acknowledges that you'll feel. Uncomfortable. Yes. Yeah. But he doesn't necessarily talk about maybe yeah. that's a good opportunity for some solitude. Exactly. Yeah. Or if you're experiencing solitude and you're realizing that you're super lonely, maybe that's where you should be adding the leisure activity of like high quality social interaction. Totally. Agreed. Yeah. So I think as I enter the full on detox period and then the declutter in general, I don't know yet how I'm going. If I need to keep track of what I'm feeling that's causing me to want to engage in these certain technologies or if I just need to have the self-awareness and like pause and acknowledge, oh, I want to open Instagram because like it's, you know, eight o'clock on a Thursday and I'm bored and lonely. Like, I don't know if I need to keep track of it. But part of me is like, I need to start a journal that charts my behavior over 30 <laughs> days. That might be a little extra, but. I bet that just by removing them, you'll already have to confront the yeah. emotion regardless. Yeah. That's how it was for me when I removed the social media apps. Yeah. Because when you pick up your phone and you go to click something that isn't there. Right. It's, it just happened yeah. automatically for me. I was like, oh, I was going to, Gonna, I guess, Instagram, but I didn't yeah. really need to. I guess it's just a habit. I guess yeah. I could just put my phone back down now. Yeah. I know. It's so weird. Uh, mm-hmm. Yesterday, I sort of informally started this process, and I knew that I was not going to be allowed to watch anything on TV until 7 p.m., and I was not allowed to text, you know, look at my phone and, like, engage in texting until after my quote-unquote exercise or whatever the physical activity of the day was going to be. So I, like, went and did some yoga And then it wasn't seven o'clock. It was like not time. I wasn't hungry yet. So it wasn't time to make dinner. And I was just sort of like standing in my room looking around. And then it was like, all right, well, I'm not going to text people because it's not, I I think there wasn't anybody to respond to. And I wasn't going to actively start conversations because that's not what you're supposed to do. So I was just casting about looking for something to do. And I had a huge pile of laundry. It was like, obviously I should fold this. Like that's exactly (laughs) what I should be doing with this time. And I'm infamous for just leaving laundry unfolded for days days. And so this was like the first time in the past, I don't know, year that I've actually washed, dried and folded and put away my laundry in the same day. That's amazing. I think it really speaks to this concept of like clutter being costly or you don't even realize how much time it's taking away to Mm -hmm. be on the phone, the app, the whatever it is. Yeah. You had to do the laundry because it was just speaking to you and it was there and you didn't have an excuse. Right. That's, yeah, I think that word excuse is super key is Mm -hmm. we let these things be our excuse not to do things that are important to us or that we, like, I value having a a clean home, an organized room. Like, those are true values in my life. I I want to have a beautiful environment and I let other things take precedent because they're easier. That's exactly it. I was going to use the word easier. Yeah. That's how I feel about social media, reading most stuff online, even to a certain extent watching TV. It's so easy. Mm -hmm. And after maybe a particularly long day at work or just something where I feel like I've spent a lot of either mental or physical energy, Mm -hmm. it's easy for me to just default to the easier activities. And when you don't have as many of them, or if they're even just a little more inconvenient, like turning on a computer versus Mm -hmm. just grabbing a phone, I think it makes it easier to notice that it's happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is not to say you have to cut them out altogether. No. Yeah. And in fact, we'll get to my rules in a second, but there are quite a few things that I haven't fully cut out. Like I mentioned that I'm allowed to watch TV and on Fridays and Saturdays, I'm allowed to watch from 
I think it's like 7 to 9.30 or something, which is a significant window of time if I choose to use it that way. Mm -hmm. So last night I started watching a movie and I watched maybe an hour and a half of it. So it was like 7 to like 8.30. And around 8.30 I realized I'm kind of bored of watching this. I didn't have Instagram on my phone. I didn't have people to get back to over text. I'd left my phone in the other room. So I didn't even have like the, the pull of seeing notifications on my phone. And I just thought, what do I really want to be doing with my time? And it was that I wanted to go upstairs and get in bed at 8.30 on a Friday night and read. And then I just read for an hour and a half this, like, wonderful young adult, like, fiction, just, like, fun read. And it was such a nice way to spend my night. Mm -hmm. So, but that, like, stripping away of the easy distraction really puts us in touch with what is going on in our minds, what we actually want to be doing with our time. And we don't have to choose you know, I didn't have to like turn off the movie and fold more laundry, but I got to choose something that felt valuable to me. Yeah. Even just removing the apps, it feels like such a default. Like, yeah. oh, I'm bored with this movie. Let me just pick up my phone. Yep. Hour later, you're still scrolling on exactly. something. Yeah. In this case, you just didn't have that option. Right. So it forced you to think, okay, well, if I'm bored with this, yeah. what do I actually want to do? Right. And then you landed on reading. Yeah. It makes It just makes it seem much more intentional. Yeah. And it was really nice. So already I feel like a weight has been lifted, honestly. My life feels more open and peaceful and like calm and free. I've noticed that I feel myself wanting to text friends more. Mm. Not to text, but to hang out. Yeah, yeah. And before, I don't think I would have noticed that mm -hmm. I had the free time because I would just feel busy. Exactly. But now I feel myself wanting to be around other people Yeah. because I'm not accidentally sucking away time into an Right. App. Yeah, we have more free time now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was already kind of thoughtful about yeah. my phone usage. And I think on an earlier episode, uh, listeners heard me say that I keep my phone in my kitchen yeah. and I keep it on ring while it's normal hours, but then I'll just do not disturb it mm -hmm. after like 9.30 or 10. Mm -hmm. And it, I end up treating it more like an actual phone right. the way that we had a landline growing up. Right. And so that's been in practice for me for a couple months at this point. Yeah. And that's been pretty transformative already. Mm -hmm. So deleting the social media apps was just kind of a next step for me. Yeah. But it is really nice. It feels like I have more time. Mm -hmm. How, if if at all, are you communicating to other people your intentions? Like, do you feel like you have to say to people, by the way, I'm not going to get back to you if you text me after 10? I thought about that. Yeah. Most people who I'm close with already know that about yeah. me because I have long not really been yeah. on my phone after 10 p.m., even yeah. if it was next to me. But I did tell my sisters that I wouldn't be on social media, mm -hmm. and I made them send me photos of yes. their dog and what they're up to this right. weekend. And I actually did put on my social media profiles that I don't check social media often. Cool. And that if people wanted to get in touch with me, they could do so via my website or yeah. offline. Okay. So, so that's like the in the like, bio section. It's in here. the bio, exactly. Okay. I didn't feel the need to announce it heavily. I yeah. do intend to tell my friends that I'm not on social media that much. Yeah. But I'm still going to check it once a week. And yeah. the interesting reality is that I thought, hmm, if I don't tell anyone, nobody's going to notice. Yeah. And if nobody notices, then does it really matter? That's something that Johnny Cuff talked about in Finish, right? Mm -hmm. When he was you know, finishing writing the book, he just checked out of Twitter for a month and yeah. he said, no one noticed. No one noticed. And that's yeah. the thing too is if you imagine, okay, if I go off social media, no one will notice, kind of begs the question – what value am I getting here? Why are you there in the first place? Right. Yeah. yeah. And for me, I think a lot of the value, the perceived value, I should say, is connecting with people. Yeah. But I would rather spend my energy calling up friends who don't live yeah. here or seeing people in person for a coffee or a drink. Yeah. And the more time I spend on social media, the less time I'll remember to text them. 
and right. to hang out for real. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's going right. to be a key thing that's part of my weekly leisure plan is just making sure that I'm scheduling that time with friends, especially people that are on Instagram, for example, or friends that like you and I don't live locally. So we'll need to like schedule a Google Hangout instead of me liking whatever you post, which honestly, like neither of us post very often. Yeah, so I was going to say, that's not going to be a hard switch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but speaking of your plans yes. and your rules, let's hear what you've been thinking about. Okay. All right. So what I did was for all of, I already just deleted every app that was optional off my phone. And then for everything that remained that felt like I needed a rule about it, I kept. And so I have the thing that it is, the value that I want it to fulfill in my life, help fulfill. And then I have like a 30-day operating procedure for the digital declutter. So I'll start with an easy one so you can see an example of what I'm going to do. And then we'll go to a complex one that I'm not sure if I created good enough rules for. Okay. The first is the podcast app. And I love podcasts. We make one. I listen to them all the time. And typically I will listen to podcasts like almost constantly throughout my day when I'm not working. It's a, for me, it's a time filler and it's like an input filler. I use it. I think I use podcasts really intentionally to like not be left alone with my own thoughts sometimes. So Mm -hmm. if I'm making lunch, I'm listening to a podcast in the morning. That's a happy part of my morning routine is listening to a podcast while I'm making my tea and smoothie. And then I turn it off in a journal. But if I go on a walk, I'll often listen to podcasts. If I'm driving, I'll listen to podcasts. And it's just at the point where I feel like the default for me is like, if I have silence to fill, I'm going to listen to a podcast. Mm-hmm. And it feels more intense than music because it's usually things that I need to learn uh, or feel that I need to learn. It's very active listening. Yeah, very active listening. That's a great way to put it. So... What I decided is my so my value with podcasts is that I will now only listen to podcasts that I want to hear every episode of. I had, I don't know, 30 podcasts in my app that the majority of which I will maybe listen to like one episode of every couple of months. So I just deleted every single podcast off my app that I don't want to listen to every single episode of. The exception there is that if it's something specific that I am learning, like I love this podcast right now called Hashtag Am Writing, and they incidentally just interviewed Cal Newport. Um, so it's a really fun episode if you want to hear more more from digital minimalism. But I really like learning about how these two nonfiction authors navigate the publishing world. It's a topic that's really interesting to me. So I will every now and then want to just learn more about that. And I'll I'll listen to one of them. So that's not one that I feel like I need to listen to every single episode of. It sounds like you're really just making sure that every yeah. episode you listen to is something that you want to listen to yeah. and that is important to you. Yeah, is important to me. And by default, I'm limiting myself to the number of episodes I can listen to because there's not that many podcasts that I truly want to hear every episode of. I bet listeners could apply that to TV shows as well. Oh, that's a great idea. Because that's, in effect, the same concept. Maybe yeah. there are certain series that you yeah. really like, and we're not implying that you need to cut those out completely. Right. But there probably could also be some things that maybe you're just binging or you yeah. watch occasionally, or maybe the show that's on after your favorite show that yeah. sometimes you keep on. You just watch by default. Exactly. Yeah. So maybe what listeners could do is apply this to podcasts or TV shows. Yeah. Be a little yeah. more intentional about what you're consuming. Yeah. Yeah. So I – now have, I think, only 10 or 11 podcasts in my app store or my podcast 
app. I also added to that that I'm allowed to listen to the news, which I never listen to by podcast, but I do want to actually listen to the news because I rarely consume it elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So that's like the little loophole I'm allowed to have is I'm not, not going to listen to it every day for sure, but it's, it's like if I truly need to have something on in the background, it's allowed to be the news. <laughs> what I think is so interesting about that example is that I'm guessing people are on maybe extremes of the news spectrum. Yeah. Either they're avidly, rapidly, yeah. all the time consuming news yeah. content, or I personally almost never consume Same. any news content. Yeah. And so I could see how somebody who is just constantly connected would maybe need some rules around disconnecting. Mm-hmm. But not everyone does. Yeah. Like if I were making my own rules, news wouldn't make the cut because frankly, I'm not looking at it right now. Exactly. Um, nor yeah. do I value it. This yeah. is a maybe a controversial opinion, yeah. not for this episode, but it's something that I adopted years ago, mm-hmm. having never really been in a huge habit. Mm-hmm. But all of which to say, the rules are really personal. Yeah. If news is not something that feels an addictive pull for you, right. you can include it however you'd yeah. like. Yeah. It's only really about reducing areas where you feel maybe a friction or an addiction. Exactly. Yeah. So that's that's the how of how I'm going to use podcasts. And the when, which is the next step of the rule, is that I'm allowed to listen to podcasts in the morning. So that's during my like morning routine as usual, which I really love as part of my day. I am allowed to listen while I am making lunch and while driving or while cleaning. So not by default, like when I'm just wandering around my house or on a walk, for example. That makes sense. I like that you chose activities where it is allowed versus yeah. the default being on, which yeah. we talked about in the last episode, like the default for most things should be off. Right. And so for you, podcasts by default are off, yeah. except in the mornings when you're making lunch, when you're yeah. cleaning, just the activities you listed. Yeah, exactly. It makes sense. So podcast feels fairly straightforward to me. And it's easy because when I open the app, I have a reduced number of things available to me. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, email <laughs> is not straightforward to me. Probably for most people too. Oh my gosh. So I'll tell you what, so the, so the value of email, that's where I started, is like how do I want email to serve a purpose in my life? And it's that I want to use it to make plans with people, to communicate with my clients, and to read newsletters only from sources that I will read every single email from. So that felt like, all right, just as a value, I was like, I'm comfortable with this. But then Mm -hmm. when I got into like what my actual 30-day operating procedure would be is just thinking like the when. So when am I going to check email? I feel like right now I just check it every time I'm switching up in between a project, which is, I just, I don't know, it's not, I was going to say like it should only be like four or five times a day, but to me it just feels so much more frequently than that. I'm sure some people also have email up all the time. Right. So I'm sure for listeners, email could even be a constant. And it'll be a big question, I think, for anyone doing a digital declutter or even a partial declutter because email is not something we can get rid of. Exactly. So it has to have an operating procedure. Right. Exactly. I didn't even think about You're right. Plenty of people have it up all the time. They get notifications to their phone Mm -hmm. or like I have all notifications turned off. And for the most part, I hide. There's a another Chrome add-on. I think it's called Hide Inbox, but I just like click that button and it hides it from me. But I noticed that in the tab in the browser window, I can still see if I've gotten a new email. So it's <laughs> You're like, too oh sneaky. my god, I know. <laughs> yeah. So I think the solution, frankly, is that I like close the tab. So if I'm, you know, working on a client 
you know, they've sent me an email potentially. I read the email. I begin working on their project. I don't need to have Gmail open, so I should just close it completely. And so what I'm thinking is that I'm allowed to check it. I think for work email, I want to check it, like actually check it and respond to things twice a day in the morning and at the end of the day. And then when I switch gears to work on a new client's project, I think that I should be allowed to check email to see if they've happened to have sent me an email that applies to what I'm working on. How is that different from what you're doing currently? I feel like I just, so let's say client, I'm copywriting for client X. Mm -hmm. So I have Gmail open. I've got like the folder open for that client. I'm typing away in Word. And my eye just goes to look at the number at the top of the tab. It so just, you keep it open, the it, Gmail Yeah, tab. I keep it open because I'm like, well, if I need to reference something that they've sent, which I like usually never do, like I should mm. just close it. And then inevitably when I get an email, I look at it. And sometimes I look at it and I'm like, I don't need to open it, but sometimes I open it. And then it's like, I'm not responding right away. I've totally switched gears in my brain. I now know it's there. I started to use the snooze function. So I'll snooze mm. the email in Gmail. It can send it, sort of bring it back up for me later. Like I set it to 4 p.m. the end of my workday. But I still feel like I'm compulsively checking it even though I'm not. Is it because the tab is up? Like, I think so, yeah. It sounds to me like maybe the tab should be closed yeah. when you're not actively reading yeah. email. Yeah, I think it should be closed. And also I think I should check out Freedom. Mm-hmm. And then so that way if the default is that my email is not accessible, I'd have to turn it on. And so I should turn it on, see if my client has emailed me, see that he or she has not, or read the email that he or she has sent that applies to what I'm working on currently, then turn it off again. You could also do something we talked about, I think, in episode 15, which is not keep it logged in. Although that might be a challenge if you're in a Google account. Yes, that's so annoying with Google. You have to like, yeah. Because then if you're in Google Docs, it would log you out of everything. Uh, But I mean, I heard you say like, it's a pain in the butt, but that's kind of the point. It's totally the point. But you're right. I use Google Docs for most clients. But But in any case, I think it seems like maybe just starting with closing it out, trying the Freedom app extension. I'm not sure. We'll link to it in the show notes. Right. I think that would work. Do you think that morning and at the end of the day, I think the part that seems kind of up in the air to me is after a client project. Like, what do you actually do when you wrap a client project? Do you email them back? So it's usually I check it before I get started on what I'm working on them for the day. So it's not really like the project entirely has concluded. It's Mm -hmm. that my work for that client on a particular day has wrapped up. I guess I'm Um, wondering, do you need to do that after every project or could you just check email in the morning and at the end of the day, or maybe add a third check. I probably could. I could probably just add a third check at lunch or yeah. at noon, at high noon. High noon. Um, or you could, like I do, like a 3 p.m. snack break. Like you could yeah. also do it after lunch just to see if there's anything you really need to do before your day wraps. Yeah, so it's like nine oh, before the day wraps. Before the day wraps, because then it's addressing the what if something comes in, in the I middle know. of the day that's, concept. And that's, I think, why I've been checking it before I start working on a new project throughout the days. It's the what if. It's like, well, what if so-and-so has right. had this new idea or has this other issue? And and not to go data analyst on you, but to me, I would ask, like, well, what's, yeah. what's the root cause right. of the check? Yeah. And the, the check is because you want to see if new information has come in. Mm-hmm. And the reason you want to see if new information has come in is because you want to see if you need to do something else before the day is over. Right. So I think checking email with a few hours left in the day to make yeah. sure you can gather that information is what you're really looking for. Okay, so tell me what my solution is. So I think you can still check email in the morning. Yeah. And 
if you would like to check email at the very end of the day, you can. Yeah. I do not often hope to see a lot of new emails at the end of the day because I don't want to continue working. Like yeah. I'll do it maybe an hour before. I have that built in that I spend like 20 minutes at the end of the day. Yeah. That yeah. makes sense, especially because you're dealing with clients directly. Yeah. But then what I would do is add in a third check Yeah. between two or three, like somewhere where you still have a few hours yeah. left in the day where you can feel like you're getting all the info that you need. Yeah. I love that. I think for me, it's going to be nine, two, and then the end of the day yeah. or, you know, beginning 2 p.m. end of the day. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. That feels better. That feels my my rule, quote unquote, rule felt very nebulous and like it didn't feel f- solid. This feels solid. The problem too with nebulous rules is that they're easier to break. Totally. Because yeah. then it's like, oh, well, after a project, I just finished a project. I'm oh, I finished a short project. Gears. I could just do this in between. Uh huh. And I think that's what it is. It's like, yeah, sometimes I work for 15 minutes and I wrap up what I need to do for that client to keep it moving for the next day. Mm-hmm. And that is exactly what happens. Okay. You, you saved did me. It. Thank you. <laughs> Email is such a tricky thing, and I'm sure a lot of listeners have email uh, lack of boundaries maybe. Like we're all constantly attached. So whether it's setting times that you check email, maybe it's removing email from your phone if you can. Mm -hmm. Maybe for you it's not email. A lot of companies are using Slack these days or some other messenger. Something I'll do is if I need to go into deep work mode, I'll snooze Slack notifications for a couple Mm -hmm. of hours. If people really need me, they'll reach me. Yeah. You know, I work in marketing. Like nothing is going to be a life-altering emergency. <laughs> They'll find you But though. if something is yeah. live and broken, people will approach me at my desk, mm-hmm. you know? So I feel like it's not as yeah. life and death as you think. Yeah. Everybody could go a couple hours without email, yeah. I hope. Yeah. I do know that some jobs are very strenuous and very, very dependent on email. But if that is something that brings you anxiety and is a reality of your job, maybe mm-hmm. there's a bigger issue at play. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I think my low level anxiety about it is going to go away after a couple weeks when I realize that I'm not dropping any balls, nothing's falling through the cracks, mm-hmm. my client service has remained stellar, like nothing has changed with the quality of my worker processes. And so right. it's just that it's removing it's it's removing an addictive habit and that feels uncomfortable. Right. You'll still get back to clients the day that they email you or within 12 hours if they email you in the evening. Exactly. I feel better. Great. I feel better when you feel better. (laughs) Okay. So now that I feel good and we've talked some about the specifics that I'm going to implement this month, Melissa, is there anything in particular that you took away? We've talked about a lot of the big ones. We've covered the digital declutter. I mentioned removing social media apps Mm -hmm. from my phone, which I think is one of the easiest things that most listeners could give a shot. But something we haven't really touched on yet is in the book, we differentiate between connection and conversation. Connection is just really low frequency. It's really easy. Comments, likes, doesn't necessarily bring you closer to someone. Mm -hmm. While conversation is meaningful, it takes more energy. There are facial cues, you're interacting. And when I started removing the social media apps, we brought this up earlier. I mentioned that I started to feel alone, not in a bad way. Mm-hmm. It made me want to reach out to friends right. and see them in real life because I wasn't masking that feeling with apps. And I guess the two other things I wanted to bring up. One is now that I don't have the apps on my phone, I'm looking out at the world more. Yeah. And it's kind of wild to just look around. For me, it's New York City, mm-hmm. the subway, walking, and you see people on their phones yeah. And when you aren't yourself connected, you watch somebody just stare at this screen for like a 20-minute commute. Yeah. And now all I'm thinking to myself is, how are you possibly this engrossed 
in this device. Yeah. Because when you remove yourself from the situation, yeah. God, I forget which photography did this, photographer, but there's a series where they photoshopped out the phones. Oh. So like you see a couple in bed as though they're both on their phones uh -huh. turned apart, but they photoshop the phone out and the photo looks ridiculous. Yeah. Same thing. Somebody sitting on a couch holding a phone, they photoshop it out. And that was a really like hard hitting series because yeah. it makes the humans look absurd. Yeah. They're either turned away from each right. other. They're staring into nothingness. Yeah. I'm noticing it even on the subway now. But hmm. when you remove yourself from that attention pull, the mm -hmm. addictive qualities, or even frankly, just the habits that we've all formed of mm -hmm. constantly picking up a phone if you feel alone even for a minute, mm -hmm. it starts to look really silly. Oh. So I don't know. That was just kind of a funny takeaway to look yeah. around and just watch somebody else on their phone for five minutes. Uh-huh. You'll be in solitude. Right. Watching them. They will have no sense of time going by. Right. And all you'll want to do is say hi. <laughs> and like, I'm not a super outgoing person, but like right. I notice this even around like coworkers or mm -hmm. people you know, they're on their phone. You're just there <laughs> hanging out in the world. You're like, hey, what's up? Want to talk? Yeah. Like play with me, you know, like I want to interact <laughs> right. or at bars in particular in yeah. New York. Like it's particularly egregious where I'm, you know, looking holding around. my beer, looking around, trying to be friendly in this big, big city. And then you see people on your phones and I just want to poke them and be like, hello, yeah. I'm here for real. Yeah. It's incredible to me how much time and value people seem to place mm -hmm. on digital interactions when mm -hmm. actual humans yeah. are standing right in front of them ready to tell hilarious jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I would talk to you in a bar. Uh, I know. But it's, I mean, yeah. and some people do. Yeah. To me, this is not a sweeping everyone does this sure. treatment, but a lot yeah. of people yeah. are very tied to phones. And New York in particular, it's a city in transit. And so yeah. I know I'm catching people in commutes. But man, phones are everywhere. And it looks really yeah. silly when you take a step back. Yeah. It's interesting thinking about them in social context too. We definitely use phones as a social shield so that we don't have to deal with the potential awkwardness of meeting somebody new, trying to have a conversation, potentially being rejected. It's like it's <laughs> social stuff is weird. Totally. It's definitely a shield. Mm -hmm. Great word. Because it doesn't you know, force you to say hello right. and get out of your comfort zone a little right. bit. Um, but yeah. it also makes you very unapproachable. So the totally. way that you are shielding yourself from other people, you are also shielding you from them. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes sense, but it goes both ways. Yeah. If you have a phone app or headphones in, I'm not going to talk to you. Mm -hmm. It's the universal New York symbol for please go away. Yeah. So it's kind of a shame because we're around each other all the time and I'm not yeah. – implying that on my morning commute, I want to make conversation. Right. But there are times when you're like sitting in a coffee shop or like something funny yeah. happens nearby and you just want to remark about it with other yeah. people, but you're the only one who even noticed. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like this adorable dog came into my coffee shop the oh other day gosh. and I'm like looking around waiting to freak out about it. <laughs> and I'm like the only one who noticed. Yeah. And then you feel like the weirdo and it's like, hello, what's weird is that there's an adorable dog and there's not I like know. a I celebration about make it. Friends, yeah. But nobody else, it was just like a normal day. They're all on their computers or in their headphones. Huh. And I'm like, this is unreal. Yeah. This dog is the cutest thing I've ever seen. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, the other thing that struck me about this book that we haven't talked about before we wrap is I've been thinking about this concept a lot, even with our podcast and social media, but people may have heard me in episode 15 say that followers and likes gave us a new metric to measure our value. Mm -hmm. And something I've been thinking on for a long time is, is it something I value right. to have a following? Right. If I imagine my life offline, I do not need mm -mm. 10,000 people 
to follow me around because there's no <laughs> way I could actually interact meaningfully yeah. with 10,000 people. Right. But today, more than ever in 2019, we can measure somebody's value based on how many followers they have. Mm-hmm. So much so that advertisers are right. paying people with larger followings to get in front of their audience. Right. But the more I started to think about it, the more I realized that growing a quote following mm-hmm. isn't something that I value. I value deeper, real connections yeah. with people offline. And that really shaped how I decided to delete social media from my phone mm-hmm. and even why I don't post that frequently because mm-hmm. I want to spend my time cultivating conversations yeah. and relationships. Yeah. And although I love seeing photos on Instagram from people who I actually know and care about, mm-hmm. that's really the only tiny value I'm getting out of the platform. Yeah. And any time that I'm spending, quote, building a following, which is not something I personally do, but mm-hmm. could, many people could do that. I don't know. Just for me, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't align with me feeling like I'm getting the most out of a meaningful life. Exactly. Right. And that's what digital minimalism is, is using the tools to support what your values are. And if your values are high quality interactions with the people around you that are making your life meaningful, like that's absolutely where you should be spending your time and effort and energy. Yeah. And I'm a marketer and I absolutely understand that a lot of people right now in a great way are earning money online and it is beneficial for their wealth for their business to create an online following to pitch them products. Yeah. So that could be part of like a meaningful, valuable life for them. That could be a value for them, but not in your case. Absolutely. And as I said, I work in marketing, Teachable, where I work, Mm -hmm. I see the value in helping bring people into their world and to grow that audience. Mm -hmm. But I don't necessarily value growing a Melissa Guller audience. Yeah. That doesn't serve me necessarily. Right. So anyway, a lot of this book just made me wonder – who really needs followers? Like, is it just a status symbol that some people want to have followers yeah. because they believe that it elevates their worth. self-esteem, their yeah. worth, their status, whatever it might be? For me, my number of followers doesn't, I hope, reflect on who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. And I have decided to not care. Awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm excited about removing connections because mm-hmm. seeing that number decrease will – I think solidify that these are people who are important to me and they're people I actually want to, you know, receive some sort of update from. Mm-hmm. Um, so that feels like it really reinforces that point too. Definitely. I think that brings us into one final topic slash announcement for us. We have been talking behind the scenes for a little bit about what purpose creating this podcast does for us. And this is our 16th episode. And I would say that there are a lot of things that we really value out of it. Mm-hmm. And digital minimalism was just one other chance to figure out why are we doing a podcast? Yeah. And in the spirit of the philosophy, is this the best way mm-hmm. we could achieve those outcomes? Mm-hmm. So something that we have both realized is that we really value reading books like these and ha- getting to have conversation. So when we get together, obviously, yeah. we hope that you listeners enjoy our conversations mm-hmm. We do script some of the intros and outros, Mm -hmm. but a lot of it really is off the cuff, and it's just us bringing to the table what we experience from the book. But even when we hit stop on the recording, we'll often be like, okay, but this part of the book. (laughs) And then we'll kind of get into our little secret like, but that part was terrible, right? Or like, oh, but this part really made me think of insert super personal experience we're not going to share online. And so before we get into maybe where it didn't serve, I'll only speak for myself as well. But what podcasting really did is brought us together with a shared interest and a good chance to talk about it. Mm -hmm. What about for you? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So the value for me here is absolutely like 
learning and growth is one of my biggest values in life. And I feel like having read all of these books, my life is without a doubt better in so many different ways. So huge, huge way that the podcast has fulfilled the value in my life. Also, yeah, I love thinking about books. I love talking about them with you. So that's another big thing is it's just really fun to like read these great books, think about them and have somebody to talk about them with and then share the ideas. And yeah, getting to hang out with you and make a project that we both feel super proud of. Mm -hmm. um, like that's a big value of mine too, is putting really good work out into the world that is helpful. So on lots of levels, it's something that is really valuable to me. Yeah, that project thing is huge because mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, this is a high quality leisure activity for yeah. us because my brain is really on. Yeah. We're engaged not just with the books, but how can we create a great experience? Mm -hmm. And I actually really love the podcast production yeah. world. Mm -hmm. It's something that I think is really cool mm -hmm. and wanted to explore. Yeah. And just being able to do a project together, I think has been yeah. so great. Yeah. So agreed. this has been serving us, I think, really well in mm -hmm. a lot of ways. But to ask the question, is this the best way mm -hmm. we could hit on all those values? I think it's something that you and I have been talking about for right. a few weeks now. Right. Something that definitely stands out, we've been talking about followers and all of this, is that neither of us, I don't think, feels particularly compelled <laughs> yeah. to market the hell out of this. No, we are not promoters by nature. Well, yeah. ironically. I, we're creators. Well, by nature. By nature, yes. Yeah, by profession. By profession, we're actually both promoters. Which is hilarious. Yeah, it's just that for fun, like we love to create things. Yeah, and I would say too, Professionally, I love talking about Teachable and the benefits that I think yeah. that it brings to people. But this is different. This is like yeah. self-promotion mm. and not even the way that you promote your business yeah. because that is still promoting the business that mm. is what you do for work. Right. This is just me wondering out loud, do I need people to follow my thoughts around personal development books? Right. And do I need the experience of followers yeah. to serve my interest in books and collaborating yeah. and hanging out with you. I know. Yeah. I, I really feel like I don't. <laughs> yeah. And we love everybody who is listening. We love you all. Like yeah. it's so rewarding when people tell us that they mm -hmm. like the show. Yeah. It's such a dopamine hit. Yeah. But it is in some ways the equivalent of a like button because mm -hmm. I think the hardest part is, although we love talking about the books, mm -hmm. for the most part when we're recording, nobody is talking back. Right. So yeah. it's not really a conversation mm -hmm. except between the two of us. Right. And that's why we've been exploring – trying an offline book club. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't that be fun getting together, hanging out, talking about amazing books, sharing personal things we wouldn't necessarily want to have memorialized and, you know, for thousands of listeners. Yeah. Not even just like the word memorialized is good. Like these are recorded. Yeah. Forever. Forever. You know, in the way that you can hang out like a coffee shop and just chat. Yeah, right. Recording is not only mm -hmm. like permanent. Yeah. Not permanent. Semi-permanent. Yeah. It also takes money to produce. A lot. It takes time. A lot. It's a lot of a lot. <laughs> and uh, what Em and I have started talking about is that it doesn't necessarily elevate the value of mm -hmm. reading the books and chatting with each other mm -hmm. to also record it and prep these episodes. Like it takes yeah. us a lot of time. A lot. I feel like oh my god, a I'm lot. just saying like a lot, a, a lot. lot. <laughs> we, we talk about it pretty regularly. Um, so I guess all this comes down to this being the final episode of season one, because although we love doing the podcast, mm -hmm. we are going to try an offline book club mm -hmm. for a little bit to see if that practice still meets all of the things that we value. Yeah. And I have a feeling we're going to have a lot of fun. Yeah. I think what'll be really great about it is that we can bring more people. Yeah. 
not, you know, hundreds. The goal, again, is not to develop a 10,000-person following here, but just even a small group of people to bring in their opinions and their experiences, I I think will be really great. I can't, I know, I just can't wait to talk out some of these ideas with people in person. Yeah. Um, It's very in the spirit of join groups that we talked about last episode. Mm -hmm. And if you're listening to these books, a reason why we started a podcast Mm -hmm. is because we had each been reading them independently Mm -hmm. and there are so many really interesting concepts Mm -hmm. and I have learned more by talking about them with somebody Mm -hmm. else because you always have a fresh take or something that stood out to you that didn't stand out to me and I learn more with multiple people. Yep. So that's been really rewarding. Yeah. And I think if you're listening and you want to create your own group or even just get a friend or two together and drink some wine and yeah. choose one book to read, you don't even have to make it a regular all the time thing. Right. Like I think our plan is just to do one and see how it goes. Yeah. We'll have a summer book club with, with one meetup. Yeah. yeah. Another thing that I think is a huge benefit is, and that has been a huge benefit of the podcast in general, is the accountability of reading the entire book because Mm -hmm. so often I get a book out of the library. I read most of it. I like it, but then it has to go back and I never finish it. Um, So it's reading the whole book and then like feeling accountable to apply the ideas in my life. And that is where the value has come from. Like that's why I have amazing new habits. That's why I have fun finishing projects. That's why I'm designing a life that I love. That's why I'm being a digital minimalist right now and choosing high quality things to live like my best life. So I think that aspect of an in-person gathering could come into fruition in your life too, listeners, if you think accountability would be something that would help you to actually apply what you're reading and enjoying into your own life. I'm still reeling about how seamlessly you just incorporated all those book titles off the cuff. It's because I'm obsessed with all of them. Like I I love what we do and I, Mm -hmm. I love these books and I never want to stop reading them. Same. And I agree with you. I am incorporating more of the practices because we talked about them. Not because we recorded it, but just because I had somebody to share ideas with. And I'm excited to keep doing that together. Me too. Thanks for joining us this week. To view the complete show notes and learn more about digital minimalism, visit booksmartpodcast.com slash 16. Once you've read the book, we'd love to hear about it. Share your experience from digital minimalism or any of our previous books by emailing us at hello at booksmartpodcast.com. You can also leave us a voicemail at 929-515-BOOK. That's 929-515-BOOK or 2665. As we wrap season one, we'd love to know if you're enjoying our show. Let us know what you'd like to see more of in the future. Plus, if you're in the New York area and are interested in joining our in-person book club or even starting a local version in your hometown, email us at hello at booksmartpodcast.com. We don't have all the details yet, but we're excited to prototype as we go. Thanks again for joining us on this week's episode of Booksmart. Until next season, happy reading.